Hi there, my name is Michelle Joy. I'm a Weishoa Ascension Guide and a multidimensional quantum energy worker. I'm also the creatrix of the Sovereign Souls Ascension Mentor Program. My passion is supporting beautiful souls to peel back the layers of their trauma programming so that they can reconnect to the truth of who they truly are. Using a combination of spiritual mentoring and energy clearing transmissions, I support my clients to raise their frequency and their consciousness levels so that they can move out of a victim state and return to their empowered soul sovereignty, fully connected to their higher self. I sincerely hope you enjoy my chapter. It's never too late. Always an empath, as a little girl, I was shy and sensitive to the strangeness of this world. I carried these traits throughout my life into adulthood, but I always craved being less sensitive. This world can feel like an ugly place for empaths with all its ruthlessness, violence and injustice. I felt so disconnected here. And so from a young age, I threw myself into a search to connect with God. But when I realized that this didn't come without effort, I found other ways to avoid my pain. I lost myself in addictive behaviors and parties. I remained lacking commitment for much of anything. I meandered through life, enmeshed in confusion about the reasons I was here, in this world where I felt I didn't belong. Eventually, at age 42, I could no longer ignore the urgency to do my soul healing. Not only did my healing journey transform my life for the better by helping let go of trauma programming, it gave me the personal experience and tools to support others. I genuinely hope that you feel the love and empowerment transmitting through the sharing of my story. I share this to inspire and to bring hope. It is never too late for deep healing and transformation. We are all incredible beings because on a soul level, we chose to come here and undergo individual and planetary ascension, our spiritual liberation. Our deepest inner healing is the way we achieve this. Before my healing journey began. Our healing journeys are often big, too big for one chapter. So I'm going to tell you my story with the broader themes of what I needed to overcome. My story starts from birth. Of course, I can't remember my birth. So what occurred in my first three years has been pieced together with the help of numerous family members. I was my mother's firstborn. Sadly, my mother experienced significant childhood trauma and had been diagnosed with a serious mental health issue. 
She was prescribed an injectable medication to stabilize her thought processes. Sadly, giving birth to me fragmented her mental state and within a few days she began experiencing psychosis. My mother began to behave in unpredictable ways, endangering my life. During one of those events, my father, feeling helpless, resorted to restraining her to prevent the unfathomable. Afterward, my mother made the decision to sign me over for adoption. There was some confusion over what would happen, but my grandparents intervened and advised my father to decline the adoption and offered to help him raise me. My grandmother became my surrogate mother, and over the next brief period, some attempts were made to see if my actual mother could bond with me. But the attempts were in vain, as no maternal bonding was taking place. Within three years of my birth, my young uncle sadly ended his own life. He had suffered from severe depression and decided to end his life over the Christmas period. My poor grandmother was left in a catatonic state of grief. Her only way of coping for some time was to be heavily sedated, which meant she was no longer able to care for me. The responsibility of my care was now solely my father's. He soon met another woman and was remarried. My stepmother became a complicated sort of mother figure. But when I was four, she and dad had another child, my baby sister. There was a noticeable difference in the way my stepmother treated me compared to the way she treated her own daughter. So this period of my life doesn't hold the fondest of childhood memories. However, the marriage was not destined to last and I remember feeling relieved when they announced their pending divorce. At the age of nine, I was now in the care of my single father again. This definitely had its upsides, one of which was no longer having a strict stepmother. My father was the opposite kind of parent. On the contrary, I was no doubt given too much freedom for such a young girl and I was exposed to things I should definitely not have been exposed to. Dad and I moved frequently. This meant that my education was fractured and I didn't always get a chance to make long-lasting friendships. Despite the challenges, there were some good times and I was very attached to my father, even though he was not always emotionally available. It often felt like I wasn't his main priority and from time to time I was left with relatives so he could be free for a time. By the time I was 15, my father had remarried once more. I had started experimenting with drugs and at 16, I was attempting to finish high school living independently. I didn't quite manage to finish my final year as my life revolved around having fun and nightly pot smoking. I had been mostly attentive and intelligent at school, but my education had been too disjointed and I was too far behind. So I dropped out and began a life of various low-end jobs and lots of experimental substance use. There were also many unsafe and unhealthy sexual experiences, which formed a cluster of behaviors that became ways to avoid how empty I felt 
I did have a few meaningful relationships, some that I will always cherish, but overall my capacity for relationships wasn't high as I sought emotional security above all else and sometimes made choices based on emotional needs over true love. Eventually, I reached a point in my life in my early 30s where I needed to seek therapy for my mental health. Therapy wasn't a huge success for me and sometimes my mental health deteriorated afterwards. Thankfully, some things about therapy did help. Being validated was one thing. Because I didn't remember the physical trauma as a baby, I didn't realize that was the thing that had impacted my body and my nervous system. So I learned about developmental trauma during therapy. I also learned about attachment theory and the connection to my emotional wounds, to abandonment and the emotional trauma of not having a mum. I was emotionally fragile, but no one knew really what was happening internally for me because I had hidden my pain from everyone. I pushed friends and lovers away until I felt lonely most of the time. I honestly believed I was a burden to my female friends, so I rarely opened up. More often, I gravitated towards friendships with males as this was the energy of which I was most comfortable. Females and their energy remained an enigma for me until much later in life. Over the years, I used a lot of hard drugs, and even though they were, they were recreational, I used regularly and heavily, often staying awake for two to five nights at a time. I hadn't yet learned to live without this lifestyle, so I continued to drain myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The wounds perpetuating my life were around numerous fears, fears of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of success due to low self-worth and a fear or distrust of females. I felt like damaged goods, feeling so incredibly different to everyone. I managed to develop an external illusion of level-headedness and self-assuredness as the thought of showing my vulnerability was unthinkable. I experienced suicidal thoughts, in fact, for the majority of my life, I wished I hadn't been born and didn't want to live. But I felt a subtle yet consistent feeling that I was here for something big. Sometimes I would speak to my therapist about karma and the soul, but I was met with blank looks in return. And when I sought spiritual counselling, it went too far in the other direction. It was too abstract and lacked practical elements to support me in daily life. Along my journey, I found other ways to avoid my emotional pain and made attempts to build my self-worth with an exercise addiction. I became a personal trainer and trained my body quite hard. I couldn't sit and simply be. I always needed to push my physical limits. I also swapped my feeling creative side for rationalism and academic study. I threw myself into courses and academic study as a way to feel worthy. And while it was true, I was always curious about the world and I enjoyed learning. I went into my studies with a desperation to develop self-efficacy and confidence. I genuinely wanted to know how to fit into this world 
I studied health, politics, international relations, literature, culture, linguistics and languages. Eventually, I completed three different academic degrees, including a master in social work. This degree felt like a culmination of all of my learning and provided one practical qualification so that I could start to serve humanity in some way. I knew I wanted to be a counsellor to hold space for others with trauma. By this time, I had minimised my addictive behaviours to a point where I was only using substances very occasionally. I hadn't found my soul tribe because I hadn't completely found myself yet. So I continued to use substances occasionally to socialise so that I could relate more easily to others. After graduating from social work, I commenced working as a drug and alcohol counsellor. I loved this work. Even though it was heavy for empaths, I did my best to help my clients. I always wanted to go above and beyond. And I was comfortable with the world of addiction, but I also knew what it was like to make big changes. I understood that there was trauma underpinning addictive behaviours, and so relating to my clients was mostly easy. At almost 38 years of age, I met a new partner who went on to become my husband. After only knowing him a very short time, I openly disclosed that I wanted to be a mum sometime soon. My biological clock was running out and I didn't want to waste anyone's time. I brought it up again after a few more months and he agreed that we would have them someday. My partner changed his mind about wanting a baby after we had been together for one year, which was devastating for me. But by this time I was 39 and we were in love and I didn't want to leave a relationship just to try and find someone in the hope of having a child. But then when I was 42, he decided that actually he did want to try for a child. We got pregnant almost immediately. We were due to get married that same year, so things were definitely looking up. I was now a fully employed professional counsellor in the drug and alcohol field. I loved my job and my co-workers, and I was finally going to be a mum. I was 10 weeks pregnant on our wedding day, and even though we didn't want to tell everyone, I had quite a few people asking me why I wasn't drinking at my own wedding. And so at the last minute, we announced that we were expecting. Sadly, three days later, I started miscarrying. It was the most emotionally and physically painful thing I have ever experienced. It was devastating to go through this loss while also having to tell the loved ones at our wedding that we had in fact now lost our baby. After spiraling again back to alcohol and cocaine to ease our pain, we resurfaced and knew we had to pick up the pieces rather than live that way. We started seeing a natural fertility specialist to try to fall pregnant again due to my age. We wanted to get our lives completely clean and organic. So we removed all chemicals, substances, and as much stress as possible from our lives. I was told I needed to get my anxiety in order 
so I began to try and learn to meditate. I often felt pain when I meditated and I found it hard to be still and to be in my physical body. I slowly learned to relax and my meditation improved a little. With each month that went past, my chances of conceiving were reduced, but we were improving our overall health and we felt much better physically. Lots of exercise, yoga and a healthy lifestyle really helped, but still no pregnancy. Eventually we took a trip away and relaxed a little. We ate some cheese and drank some wine and voila, we were pregnant again. I was so relieved and overjoyed. It just so happened that four other women at work were also pregnant and it was starting to get awkward for everyone after my miscarriage. So my closest work friends were pleased when I too fell pregnant. Five new babies were expected in one office. There was a lot of excitement going on. Sadly, this pregnancy was also not to be. And after only six weeks, I miscarried again. This loss shook me to my core. I was beyond devastated. The doctors at the women's hospital told me that my chances of keeping a pregnancy to term at my age and with my fertility status were now extremely low. I was now 43 and faced with the reality that I was never going to be a mum. All of my wounds around motherhood came to the surface as I spiralled down into a dark night of the soul. For the next few months, every single life choice that was negative in my life surfaced for my review. I had wasted my divine feminine energy and given it freely away. I hadn't respected myself, my worth, my body. I had to face how little self-worth I felt over the years. I had already experienced multiple miscarriages and terminations in my past before these last two. And I needed to heal the guilt and grief from all of it. This felt karmic for me. I knew there were many lessons in these experiences and I was being given my last call to action Heal your soul now. And this time I didn't go looking for an escape route. Instead, I took the time I needed to reflect on my life events while doing my best to remain objective without self-judgment. My intuition guided me to search for a soul clearing online and I found a healer who could clear energetic attachments. The clearing relieved some of the density I felt so that I could go deep into the work I had to do. I embarked on a big journey of forgiveness. I was 100% committed to learning how to do my shadow work, as well as learning who I really was without all the limitations of emotional hurt. With a deep dive into myself, I found my way to self-love and self-respect for the first time in my life. Reconnecting to the truth of who I am 
After many months of soul searching and healing, I came up for air. Most had no idea of the deep shadow work I had been doing and the internal transformation I'd undergone. I learned how to clear my own energy field and with my skills as a trauma counsellor, I had some valuable tools to carry me forward. I learned to do shadow work by constantly observing my thinking patterns and making sure I didn't run from my emotions. I allowed emotions to be felt rather than suppressed. I learned to tune in to identify my emotions, which is something I, I had honestly never done before. I developed a daily practice of meditation and journaling. I started to open my heart more than it had ever been opened before. And I did this by working on releasing my fear programs. I knew these aspects I carried were not really mine and were actually coping mechanisms. They were protective in the short term, but overall, these mechanisms were, weren't allowing me to uncover my authentic self. I even embraced my mother's name, Joy, which is my middle name. This name had always felt like a sick joke, a burden to carry around, and so I rejected it my whole life, until I did my healing and forgiveness work. I was then able to feel into the amazing high frequency of this name. I no longer wanted to run away from it, and so I embraced it because the name no longer held pain for me. I started studying energy healing again, which began with Reiki some 20 years previous. And I learned to activate my intuition again. This time I was ready to apply my learning. I was on a spiritual seeking mission. I learned about consciousness and clearing negative energy. I studied metaphysics and most importantly, the ascension cycle that we are now moving through. And finally, I knew that this important time was the reason I was here on this planet, doing my deep healing and feeling called to help others. Making a commitment to myself to continue my ongoing inner work has brought me to a higher level of consciousness, which means I don't have to move back to victimhood programs. I definitely would not have been able to view my experiences this way had I not done the deep shadow work. I came into the embodied knowing that all experiences serve us with learning, that we hold an abundance of internal knowledge that should we make the commitment to develop our connection to our higher self and take action that is in alignment and integrity with our highest truth. In 2019, I was guided by my higher self to start stepping out as a healer and ascension guide and to reveal my true self. After all the years of feeling like an outsider in the wrong place, I finally felt connected to my soul purpose. It was amazingly liberating to finally be living in authenticity. And I knew that I was going to help others do the same. And so began the journey of being a business owner, running a consciously created spiritual business in service to lightworkers, all over this beautiful planet. From my heart, I deeply thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. But most of all, I hope that it serves your own 
healing journey in some way. You can connect with me at my website, which is sovereignsouls.com.au. I'm based in Australia, but I see clients from all over the world. I'm also on Instagram, Sovereign Souls 222. I'm on Facebook, Sovereign Souls 444. I have a YouTube channel with free meditations, clearings and transmissions and ascension guidance, which is just called Sovereign Souls. And I look forward to connecting with you.